Book Nine, Chapter Eight of *The Female Quixote*, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Female Quixote*, Volume Two, by Charlotte Lennox. Book Nine, Chapter Eight, which acquaints the reader with two very extraordinary accidents. Mr. Glanville, who did not doubt but Roberts would bring him some intelligence, sat waiting with anxious impatience for his return. The evening drew on apace, he numbered the hours, and began to grow uneasy at Arabella's long stay. His chamber window, looking into the garden, he thought he saw his cousin, covered with her veil as usual, hasten down one of the walks. His heart leapt at this transient view. He threw up the sash, and, looking out, saw her very plainly strike into a crosswalk, and a moment after saw Sir George, who came out of a little summer-house at her feet. Transported with rage at this sight, he snatched up his sword, flew down the stairs into the garden, and came running like a madman up the walk in which the lovers were. The lady observing him first, for Sir George's back was towards him, shrieked aloud, and not knowing what she did, ran towards the house, crying for help, and came back as fast, yet not time enough to prevent mischief for Mr. Glanville, actuated by an irresistible fury, cried out to Sir George to defend himself, who had but just time to draw his sword and make an ineffectual pass at Mr. Glanville when he received his into his body and fell to the ground. Mr. Glanville, losing his resentment insensibly at the sight of his rival's blood, threw down his sword and endeavoured to support him, while the lady, who had lost her veil in her running, and to the great astonishment of Mr. Glanville, proved to be his sister, came up to them with tears and exclamations, blaming herself for all that had happened. Mr. Glanville, with a heart throbbing with remorse for what he had done, gazed on his sister with an accusing look as she hung over the wounded baronet with streaming eyes, sometimes wringing her hands, then clasping them together in an agony of grief. Sir George, having strength enough left to observe her disorder, and the generous concerns of Glanville, who, holding him in his arms, entreated his sister to send for proper assistance. "'Dear Charles,' said he, "'you are too kind. I have used you very ill. I have deserved my death from your hand. You know not what I have been base enough to practice against you, if I can but live to clear your innocence to Lady Bella, and free you from the consequences of this action, I shall die satisfied.' His strength failing him at these words, he fainted away in Mr. Glanville's arms, who, though now convinced of his treachery, was extremely shocked at the condition he saw him in. Miss Glanville, renewing her tears and exclamations at this sight, he was obliged to lay Sir George gently upon the ground, and ran to find out somebody to send for a surgeon, and to help him to convey him into the house. In his way he was met by Mr. Roberts, who was coming to seek him, and with a look of terror and confusion told him Lady Bella was brought home extremely ill, that her life had been in danger, and that she was but just recovered from a terrible fainting fit. Mr. Glanville, though greatly alarmed at this news, forgot not to take all possible care of Sir George, directing Roberts to get some person to carry him into the house, and giving him orders to procure proper assistance, flew to Lady Bella's apartment. Her women had just put her to bed, raving as in a strong delirium. Mr. Glanville approached her, and finding she was in a violent fever, dispatched a man and horse immediately to town to get physicians and to acquaint his father with what had happened. Mr. Roberts, upon the surgeon's report that Sir George was not mortally wounded, came to inform him of this good news, but he found him incapable of listening to him, and in agonies not to be expressed. Twas with difficulty they forced him out of Arabella's chamber into his own, 
where throwing himself upon his bed he refused to see or speak to anybody till he was told sir charles and the physicians were arrived he then ran eagerly to hear their opinions of his beloved cousin which he soon discovered by their significant gestures and half-pronounced words to be very bad they comforted him however with hopes that she might recover and insisting upon her being kept very quiet obliged him to quit the room while all the necessary methods were taken to abate the violence of the disease sir charles who had been informed by his steward of his son's duel with sir george was amazed to the last degree at two such terrible accidents having seen his son to his chamber and recommended him to be patient and composed he went to visit the young baronet and was not a little surprised to find his daughter sitting at his bed's head with all the appearance of a violent affliction indeed miss glanville's cares were so wholly engrossed by sir george's that she hardly ever thought of her cousin arabella and had just stepped into her chamber while the surgeons were dressing sir george's wound and renewed her attendance upon him as soon as that was over miss glanville however thought proper to make some trifling excuses to her father for her solicitude about sir george and the young baronet on whom the fear of death produced its usual effects and made him extremely concerned for the errors of his past life and very desirous of atoning for them if possible assured sir charles that if he lived he would offer himself to his acceptance for a son-in-law declaring that he had basely trifled with the esteem of his daughter but that she had wholly subdued him to herself by her forgiving tenderness sir charles was very desirous of knowing the occasion of his quarrel with his son but sir george was too weak to hold any further conversation upon which sir charles after a short visit retired taking miss glanville along with him that the reader whose imagination is no doubt upon the stretch to conceive the meaning of these two extraordinary incidents may be left no longer in suspense we think proper to explain them both in the following chapter that we may in the next pursue our history without interruption end of book nine chapter eight